You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 306, Lessons Learned from a Bad Boss, Part 2. You know, we've all worked for them, and, and like I said last week, unless you happen to be your own boss and you think you're a bad boss, well, then there's other issues there. But, you know, most of us at some point in our lives and some point of our professional careers have worked for that person who we would just have to say is a bad boss, difficult to work with, difficult to work for, and, you know, really made the the working environment unpleasant. And so, you know, one of the things we, we mentioned is the fact that, that even with a bad boss, even with somebody who's maybe doesn't have great people skills or great managerial or leadership skills, we can still learn something as leaders that will help us down the road. And so we're, we're kind of tongue-in-cheek pulling some of these lessons out in this episode. Um, last time, just a recap in part one, um, lessons learned from a bad boss. Don't make a decision. Be just as indecisive as possible. And if you've worked for somebody like that, I'm sorry. It's terrible working for an indecisive person. Uh, leaders get paid to make decisions. Uh, number two, just to recap, is you have a different personality every day, and we've all been there. You know, is it going to be happy boss? Is it going to be sad boss? Is it going to be uh, angry boss? You you just don't don't know, and that's a you know kind of a crazy environment to be in. And then uh, number three from last time was make sure you dominate every conversation. And you maybe work for somebody like that who they just want to tell you about all their accomplishments or how you need to do your job better or whatever, but they don't take the time to listen. Well, today we're going to jump right in and we've got uh, four important things that we can learn from a bad boss that will help us to be better bosses. And like I said last week, you know, what I tell younger younger leaders is, is just create a filing cabinet, either in your mind or, you know... Um, on your computer, you know, if I use Evernote, but whatever you use to, to keep files and, and just, you know, write down the things or, or keep in your mind the things that you've learned from your bad boss and just say, look, this is the way not to do it. That's what this file is called. It's called Ways Not to Lead. All right, so today we're going to jump in and uh, lessons learned from a bad boss. When you give assignments, make sure you tell your subordinate exactly how to do the job. Now, some people might call this micromanaging, but if I'm a bad boss, it's just about making sure it gets done right. If I'm on the receiving end, I feel like I'm being controlled and micromanaged. So even if your subordinate thinks they've got a better way to do it, make sure you um, uh, they do it the way that you would do it. Um, you know, sure, there's more than one way to skin a cat, but in your, if you're the boss, they have to do it your way. We can't have our people thinking too much for yourselves. 
And you know, really, as as a as as a, as a good boss, we understand that this type of thinking stifles creativity. Now, of course, there are times when you know we've got systems in place and we've got procedures in place on how to do things, but so many of the things that that have to be done in, in at, at your job, at my job, wherever we go, um, there's multiple ways to do it and. To, to, you know, micromanage someone or control them and say they have to do it exactly like this is often, um, you know, a recipe for disaster. We don't want to be that boss. And, and again, like I said, there are some times when, when, when there are certain procedures, you know, if you work for a, you know, a car manufacturer, you know, you're probably going to be doing the same thing over and over again, you know, that repetitive kind of thing. Um, but in the creative market, in the consulting market, um, you know, whatever the service market, whatever your field is, there's usually more than one way to do something. Give your people the freedom to do it, however. And it might not be as fast or as efficient as how you would do it, but giving them the freedom to, to, to exercise some freedom and how they um, do their task will go a long way to earning loyalty. Number two, number two. Don't learn anything about your subordinates' private lives. The people that work with you, they're, they're just cogs in the wheel. You don't need to know how many kids they've got, if they're married, or um, you know where they came from, or uh, where they went to school, or what their interests are outside of work. You don't need to know any of that stuff. Obviously, we're being tongue-in-cheek because as a good leader... We want to know as much about our people as we possibly can. You know, knowing what makes your people tick is so important for a good leader. But we've all worked for those leaders who it was all about them and they really could care less. I've worked for bosses for for months um, and, and, you know, they even still had trouble remembering people's names. And, you know, that's just, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that. So as, as leaders, as good leaders, as effective leaders, we want to learn as much as we can about the people that we're working with. We don't want to be nosy. We don't want to go prying into their business. But just in the course of working together, we should know something about them. Um, are they married? Do they have kids? What about their family? Uh, what are their interests outside of work? Because knowing these things is going to help you so much in building rapport with your people. And, uh, you know, look, being able to have rapport with our people to, to build relationships with those that we work with goes so far in the workplace. Don't go away. We will be right back. We've still got two more important things that you can learn from a bad boss. But I want to let you know this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond 2.0. Click that link. Go over. You can read a chapter or two. I think you can read two or three chapters for free. Get a feel if you want to um, buy it. I think you should. I think it'll help you. We talk about management. We talk about supervision. We talk about leadership. We talk about time management, goal setting, so many things that will help you in your life. Uh, if you're a leader, even if you're not a leader, these things are going to help you. 
There's discussion questions or thought-provoking questions at the end of each chapter. Each chapter is short and immediately actionable, so you can put it into practice. So check out Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond 2.0. So just to recap, today, lessons learned from a bad boss. When you give assignments, make sure you tell your subordinate exactly how to do the job. And then also, don't bother to learn anything about your subordinates' personal lives. Number three, if you're a bad boss, make sure you take all the credit and deflect all the blame for your subordinates' work. If your team accomplishes their sales goal, make sure you tell your boss how you made it happen. Of course, if your team misses the goal, Make sure you let your boss know what a bunch of worthless people you've got working for you. So take all the credit and deflect all the blame. Now, obviously, as good bosses, we know it's just the opposite. Taking responsibility for our team, um, being with them in the trenches. If things don't go according to plan, taking responsibility, um, not deflecting the blame. Uh, when, when they do well, making sure you give the credit to them. Even highlighting leaders and, 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 and pointing people out to your boss um, in public and praising them is such a big deal. And can I tell you something? As someone who, who, who rose in management to middle management, when I saw one of my supervisors uh, taking all the credit and deflecting all the blame, it left... Uh, a bad taste in my mouth. But when that person would come to me and say, man, these guys did such a good job. They met their goal. Um, you know, so-and-so did so well on this, and this was this person's idea. And, and when they come and do that, it gives me such a greater appreciation for that person as a supervisor because it's not all about them. So don't take all the credit. Don't deflect all the blame. Uh, make sure your team gets the praise they deserve. And if they don't make it, then, you know, let, that's, that's fine. That just That's more coaching. That's more opportunities to improve for next time. And then today, the, the last one we're going to talk about today is if you have to correct or coach one of your team members. If you're a bad boss and you've got to correct or coach one of your team members, Make sure you do it in public so that everyone can hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be a little embarrassing for the person that's being corrected, but if everybody else on the team hears it, they're much less likely to make the same mistake. Have you ever worked for somebody like that who would call you out in public and correct you in public? You know, we as good bosses, as good leaders, as good managers, as good supervisors, we know that you praise in public and you correct in private. But there's some folks out there that have been given the title leader that haven't quite got this message. And they let their emotions get the best of them. And they, 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 they believe in correcting in public and maybe not praising at all. But no, we know the importance of praising in public, correcting in private. And of course, there's the right way and the wrong way to go about it. I mean, there's... Um, 
you know, we want to help people improve. We want to help them get better. We want to make it redemptive. We want to make it a training process if it can be, you know, handled that way. And of course, there are plenty of times when folks need to be, you know, set right, when, the, when, when maybe there needs to be some correction, when maybe there needs to be some coaching. But we always, we always want to make sure we do it behind a closed door. We always want to make sure we le- let that person leave with their dignity intact. And we also want to let them know that we have their best interest at heart. Um, when we're trying to help somebody get better, it, it's not because we're mad at them. We want to help them get better so that the company, the business, the organization can get better as well. So just a quick recap from today. When you give assignments, make sure you tell them exactly how to do it if you're a bad boss. Don't learn anything about your subordinates' personal lives. Take all the credit and deflect all the blame if you're a bad boss. And if you have to correct or coach one of your team members, make sure you do it in public so that everyone can hear it. Well, obviously, we're tongue-in-cheek, and um, you know, really the, the exact opposite of what we're talking about is, is what we should be shooting for. And, but, you know, we've all worked for them. And, 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 I, and like I say, I tell new leaders all the time, when you work for a bad boss, what can you learn from them? And let's, let's remember those things. Let's put them in a filing cabinet called how not to do it so that we can be the effective leaders that we need to be. Well, what did I miss? You know, between last week and this week, we've talked about seven things that we can learn from a bad boss. What else can we learn from a bad boss. I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com, leave a a question or a comment in the comment section for today's post. You can also email me at david at at davidspell.com. It's always good to stay in touch with you. But when you go to my website, make sure you drop your email address in so that we can stay in touch. I send out the blog twice a week. The podcast comes out on Wednesdays. Um, I'll send out newsletters periodically about um, different uh, ministry things that my wife and I are working uh, throughout the world. Um, you know, we're involved in traveling and helping train leaders in other parts of the world, but also, um, you know, in a, in a tangible financial way, um, helping people that, that, that need help. Um, this past year, we were able to help um, a couple of churches in India where the pastors were actually feeding families out of their own pockets, people who were affected by COVID. And, um, you know, we were actually able to, to help um, jump in there and send some funds, wire some money over to help them feed, feed families in their churches. Um, we also recently have had some opportunities in Africa through our travels there into the Congo to um, fund some scholarship programs and um, some schools for, for people in the inner city that really might not have an opportunity to send their kids to a good school. So this is these are some of the things we're involved with. So, you know, we send out a newsletter periodically. If you want to jump on board and support or help at all, there's a link on my website. But, uh, you know, I'm so appreciative of you being on the journey with us, and we will see you next week on Leading and Learning.